following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Enough about mixtape. Let's talk about studio. We are uh, in this uh, kicking off series for the thematic thread for Artisan for 2016 and 17. Our ministry year, all year long, we're talking about spiritual depth with the theme of deep waters and the three spiritual movements of scripture, prayer, and service. And we've, uh, over the last two weeks, we talked about scripture and prayer and how we can rethink the way we approach those things. And last week we talked about uh, service as the necessary and expected and normal response to what God does in our hearts when we study scripture and when we pray. And we, we want to see this cyclical thing where all these movements are gateways into spiritual depth and they're also um, entry points to the other movements. If you're not as good as, at one, you can start with the one you're good at and, and um, let that be... Uh, an opportunity for growth in you. Um, so w- one of the ways that we're going to live this out in this ministry year is with a new midweek spiritual formation gathering that starts in September. It will be on Thursdays, uh, starting September 8th, right here in this room. And uh, it will be quite different from what we do in worship on Sundays. And so today, in worship on a Sunday, we're going to do a mini and abbreviated and truncated version of studio. Now, we've been running a pilot group for the studio throughout the summer, um, and it's gone incredibly well, really, really wonderfully well. But one thing we found is that we can't do it in the hour and a half we allotted to it for the pilot group. So when it starts, it's going to be closer to two hours. Now, our whole service on a Sunday morning is an hour and a half, um, unless you count the early service today. It was more like an hour and 45 minutes. Um, but you see why, because we're trying to do this, we're trying to compress this studio experience into a, a shorter time. And now in the studio, we're going to do prayer together. We're going to learn new prayer practices and approaches to prayer. We're going to look at, we're going to find new ways to dig deeper into scripture and, uh, in a way that I hope is um, contagious and um, self-perpetuating and exciting for you. Sometimes we find the Bible very dry. I hope this will help with that. And then we're going to always, every time we're together, be thinking about what specific act of Christian service, that is putting the needs of others ahead of my own, is God calling me to after having studied this scripture and prayed these prayers. That's going to happen every time we're together. So this morning, we're going to try to do all three of those things. And um, we may end up going a little long if this morning earlier service was an indication, but we're going to try our best. I was the one who took up most of the time earlier. I'm doing the scripture portion, um, and I'm sort of long-winded, as you can tell. So I'm going to ask Dell to come up. Now, Dell and um, Autumn and Jamie, James Scunfito, have been working together with me to uh, develop the studio uh, gathering as something that will be meaningful for our whole community. They've done amazingly well, so great, so insightful, and Dell and Autumn and James are all um, going to be contributing to teaching the prayer side of this, whereas I'm going to stick to the scripture stuff more often than not, as I've told you, I feel like stronger in that one. And I'm learning so much about prayer from you and from Autumn and James, and so I'm grateful to you, and I'm excited for um, the whole congregation to experience a little bit of what we're doing with prayer in the studio gathering. So Del, take it away. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. So welcome to studio. Um, the prayer practice that we're going to do today is called the prayer of openness. So I'm going to ask you um, to begin by getting in a comfortable position that helps you to be awake, helps you to be present. Might be sitting up, might be slouching, but somewhere, <laughs> some, so a way that helps you to say, I'm awake and I'm present and I'm waiting for God. 
Then I'm going to ask you to take your palms and place them down on your laps. And you might want to uh, close your eyes or focus on something that won't be distracting. And as you have your um, palms pointed down, um, I'd like you to think about, to consider what uh, in your life uh, needs letting go. Is it anxiety? Is it worry? Ambition? What do you need to let go of? And when you're ready... Point your palms up in a sign of readiness to open up to what God may have for you. And as you're opening up to what God may have for you, I ask you to engage your imagination. Imagine at this point that you are being held by God, by God's strong and loving arms. The uh, prophet Isaiah says, He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. In this season of your life, how can you be open to God's loving embrace? How can you be open to God's loving embrace in this season of your life? And when you're ready, when you've thought of that, um, the answer to that question, if you have one, I'd like you to open your eyes and, and pause. And then I'd like you to take a vulnerable step and share with the person who is next to you um, what this brought up for you. Um, what did you experience during this practice? Um, what did you notice?
Take just one more minute to wrap up that conversation with your neighbor. So let me tell you what I observed from this position in the room, this spot in the room, during those, the sharing time. Two, two types of things. One is people very engaged with each other sharing, and the other is people going, how long until this is over? <laughs> right? Now, I want to uh, honor the part in you, the, 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 the doesn't want to talk to my neighbor part in me, honors the doesn't want to talk to your neighbor part in you, if you're one of those people, right? That's some variation on something, right? Um, So two things. One, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up if you are a very private person, or if you don't like to talk to people about this kind of thing. That's the first part. The second part is maybe push yourself a little bit. Don't beat yourself up at all, but push yourself a little bit, because um, the hope with this studio experience is that we will grow in faith together, and you, your experience with the scriptures or with prayer might be very helpful to the person who's next to you. And the conversation that results when you start to share might be very life-giving to both of you. So um, please understand, I feel you, man. <laughs> I totally get that. Uh, but I've learned that it's good for me to get, get beyond my personal preference on that stuff sometimes. So thank you, Del, for leading that beautiful time of prayer. That's the kind of prayer that we'll do at the studio. It won't be that same thing every time, but it's that kind of thing that will happen. And we'll usually spend some time debriefing together with what it was like. So let's turn our attention to the study of Scripture now. And <clears throat> the way that I'm going to do this uh, is with this text, which you see on the screen, Mark 10, 13 through 16. Um, if you're going to look it up, please look it up and just put your finger in there. Don't start reading it yet. It's on page 822, I think it is, yep, in the Red Bibles, which you can use to find the text there if you want. But before you start reading it, here's what I want to tell you how it's going to work. 
I'm going to break the room into three sections. Section one will be over here, and section two will be over here, and section three will be in the middle, and depending on how the math works, we may have to steal a few people around from the middle to the sides. Um, because what I want to do is, in each section, I want you to break into groups of five or six people. Please don't choose four or seven people. Five or six is where I want you to shoot uh, to be together. The reason for that is this. I want there to be enough people in the, in the little mini-group so that somebody who doesn't want to share doesn't have to in order for the conversation to keep going. And I want there to be a small enough group that everybody who wants to share has time to share in the limited time we have. So please don't um, go beyond... Uh, go fewer than five or more than six. Five or six people. Got it? Okay. In each section, one, two, and three. And if we need to peel off some from the middle to make the math work, that's what we'll do. Now, what I'm going to do is give each section a different technique or approach or way of approaching the scriptures. In the studio pilot group that we've been running, we've been doing a bunch of, uh, several different types of ways of coming at the scriptures. We're going to try a few of them here, and at least one of them is new that the pilot group hasn't even done yet. And the reason we do differently each time is because different people, of course, connect with the scriptures in different ways. And so it may be that your assignment, if you will, doesn't really do anything for you. It doesn't help you at all. But we're going to debrief each section after we have a chance to do it um, uh, so that you can maybe catch what the experience was of the other, other sections, of the other techniques, if you will. Now, um, lastly, I'm going to give you three minutes at the beginning, which is not enough time for the people who need this, but it's, we're limited. I'm going to give you three minutes at the beginning of silence, where you can just read the text on your own. Some of us want to read the text on our own first and start to process it internally before somebody across the circle starts to tell us what we're supposed to think about it, right? Nobody would do that, of course, not in that tone. But even just like a quick jump into the discussion can be jarring for some of us. So you get three minutes with the text on your own to start your um, work in the... Um, uh, in the text. And then your groups within your sections will, will do the work together. Fair enough? Now let me tell you what the sections are going to be doing. Section one over here, you're going to be doing questions and connections. This is one of my favorite ways to come at a text. And what I want you to do is two things. I want you to write down questions that you have about the text. Now your objective is not to answer the questions. Your objective is to acknowledge their existence. And to get to a better question. Very often the first question we ask is... Um, very superficial, or we could get the answer by searching on Google or something like that. We want to take that question. We're not going to reject it as invalid, but we need to get to a better question. Let me give you a brief example. In the, one of the things that we studied in the pilot group, uh, Jesus sent the disciples across uh, a body of water to Bethsaida. And somebody asked the question, uh, where's Bethsaida? Okay, fair question, but you can answer that with Google. Once you do, you can get to the better question, which is this. What is the significance of the fact that Jesus sent them to that town? What's near that town? What other events in Scripture have happened in that town? Okay, do you see that how the, the superficial question leads to, you to a better one? Now, everybody can ask questions about Scripture. All of us have questions about Scripture. Uh, for the Bible nerds will be usually a little better off at the second half, which is connections. And that's okay. Um, Everybody should be able to participate with who's in section one. Everybody should be able to contribute. Now, if you know the Bible a little bit better, you might be able to, to do more of this, but everybody can try to do a little bit of it. What other stories in Scripture does this one remind you of? Where do you see the phrasing uh, from this passage used elsewhere? 
Where do you see similar types of characters elsewhere in the Bible? What other stories, if it's a New Testament one, which it is in this case, what Old Testament stuff does it remind you of? That kind of thing. Questions and connections. That's section one. Section two, over here on my left, your job is to do keywords and context. Let me define those for you. Keywords in the text are words uh, that if we don't have the definition of those words, the story doesn't make sense. Okay? The keywords are the ones that we need to define in order to make sense of what's happening. Uh, so if we, were using, if we were doing this exercise with the Pledge of Allegiance, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, etc., etc., we would need to know, for example, what does the word allegiance even mean? Right? The words of the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, don't, we can't comprehend what their intended meaning is unless we know what the word allegiance is, right? We can't further know what, what we're pledging allegiance to if we say the pledge without knowing what a republic is. What is a republic? To the republic for which it stands. So we would want to know, what does allegiance mean? What does republic mean as a starting point? Okay? Now, in a text like this, a biblical text, we're of course reading this in translation. Most of us are going to be reading this in English right now. But it was written in Greek, this text. And so if you wanted to get real nerdy, which of course I do, um, you could see those keywords and say, okay, here's this key English word in this text. What is the Greek equivalent? Where else in the New Testament is that Greek equivalent used? If you want to get super nerdy, you could say, where in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible is it used? Right? You, this, well, this rabbit hole goes deep, Alice. Okay? So um, I love this one, and we won't have time to even, we'll just be barely scratching the surface with it. The second part is context, by which, in this case, I simply want you to look at what happens immediately before this story and what happens immediately after this story. Because, newsflash, the biblical writers didn't just put all these little stories in a hat and pull them out one at a time and write the gospel in that order. They wrote things in an order for a reason, just the way a novelist writes something for a reason. Just the way when you watch Pulp Fiction, the fact that the the chronology is all weird is done for a reason, right? Um, That's how hip I am. I just just cited a movie from 1993. Uh, Okay. Real contemporary reference, but you know what I'm saying. So what happens right before and right after it? And this is a question that you can answer just by looking in the Bible, right? And then, of course, the better question is, what's the significance of the order of events, okay? So that's the section, section two. Section three, um, everybody who's left in the middle after we do the math, um, we're going to look at characters and emotions. The first half is very simple. You can just make a list. Which characters are present in the story? Who are they? The second part is a little bit trickier. It's asking you to speculate, but it's a, it's a valid and useful speculation. What feelings are they experiencing right now? These characters, each of them. The third part is even harder, but it's even more valid, which is what does this story make me feel like? What emotions am I experiencing as a result of this story? And... Um, by starting with the characters and not our own response, it's a little bit easier because sometimes we'll, ha- we'll end up feeling a little bit of empathy for one of the characters and then that'll open a window into our own soul and go, whoa, why, am I f- why do I feel that one viscerally but not this other one? Maybe there's something uh, that I need to deal with in my own life. Maybe there's something that the Spirit of God is kind of trying to nudge me about in this text. And this is where the scriptures become a little bit more personal. Now, before we dive into the, the, um, the study... Again, the text is Mark 10, 13 through 16. If you hate the assignment from your section of the room, nobody will know if you just quietly get up and walk over to the other side of the room or go, <laughs> go to the other section or whatever you, know, whatever you need to do. Um, so remember, three minutes on your own doing your, a task, and then um, we have a slide here that shows all three of the, the um, 
approaches to scripture. It says one, two, one, but that's a copy and paste error. Um, everything else is, is accurate <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> should say one, two, and three, obviously. Um, one, two, and one. Um, so read it on your own. I'm going to set a timer for three minutes, and then I'm going to turn, have you turn to the groups of how many? Five or six. You got it. Okay. Three minutes starting now. All right, one more minute on your own. All right, now that you've had a chance to look at it yourself, um, please form your groups of five to six and take the next, let's start with 10 minutes and see if that's enough, uh, doing this study in a group with the people near you. Again, it's five to six, and if you need to move around a little bit to get to the section of the room that you like the best, you can do that.
We've probably hit about the halfway point for the time that we have for this right now. So just to let you know. This is your two-minute warning. Two-minute warning. 
All right, let me ask you to wind up, wrap up, wind down, whatever it would be. All right. I like how this section of the room has turned their attention back to the front. <laughs> That's the focus fox. You're the second person to say that. <laughs> uh, it was a school teacher who taught me about the focus fox. <laughs> so, here's what I'd like to do. Let me just tell you, first of all, that in the studio gatherings, we would probably only do one of these three or maybe a different one altogether. And then we would spend longer with it. You'd get longer on your own. You'd get longer in your group. And then we would spend longer than we're going to spend right now doing the kind of debriefing and processing. So you really are getting a compressed version of this today. Um, but I want to start with uh, section one. And what I'm going to do is unless this falls apart completely, I'm going to interact with just one of the groups from each section because we, it just helps that way. Now, if, if they end up not having a whole lot of response, we may broaden it, and that happened a little bit in the first service, and that's okay. But let me bring the microphone down here to group one of section one. You're the closest to me, so you get the microphone. I don't, it doesn't matter who, who speaks into the microphone, but... Oh, that's cold. Teresa, they're making you do it. <laughs> So uh, let's start with questions. What, what are the good questions that your group came up with when you were going through this passage? So I guess... Yeah, you got it. Just hold it real close. There you go. I guess just starting with the top, um, wondering why they're bringing children to Jesus. Okay, a good question. Why bring children to Jesus? Does the text answer that question at all? In verse 16, it does. It seems like they were going to be blessed, but then yeah. we went further and we're like, well, why is that? Is there a precedent there? Um, okay. So it's, if they're bringing them for a blessing, why are they bringing them for a blessing? What's the precedent? That's a great question. Really good study question. What's the precedent? Okay. Other, any other questions? Um, I believe we had a question about why the disciples were indignant and then why, what it means to be um, accepted as a child or accept the kingdom of heaven as a child. Okay, so why, we're going to call the disciples the D's, indignant. And then here's a, a great big wide open question that might be the kind of question we really need the answer to. Uh, could you say it one more time? What? What it means to accept the kingdom of heaven as a child. Yeah, what does it mean? My handwriting gets worse as I go down lower on the, e on the easel here. To accept, and we're going to say K-O-H for kingdom of heaven, because that may come up again, as a child. What's that? Potassium hydroxide. I'm, I'm completely lost. I can't wait. Potassium hydroxide. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said KOH, and 14 scientists all at once said, oh, you mean potassium hydroxide? <laughs> oh, my word. I love this church so much. 
whoa, that is so cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, we, <laughs> we need to move on. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what connections to other scripture did you come up with on this, on this passage? What other stories did it evoke or remind you of? What other passages? That kind of thing. That's no, over here. Um, they, they were talking about um, other times when people were trying to get close to Jesus. Okay. You know, so when they dropped the uh, paralytic through the roof. Ah, okay. Get close to, other times when people tried to get, Jesus, or get close to Jesus. So there was a man who was paralyzed who his friends uh, cut through the roof and let, lowered him down. Okay. The unclean woman. The unclean woman who, who tried to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Um, yeah, so it, it, in, in both of those cases, we're talking about some form of healing that was being sought. Um, cool. Other connections to passages of Scripture or parts of the Bible? I think that uh, Dallas is much like Ad Rock passing the mic. That's the Beastie Boys reference. I don't know if anybody got it. But... Um, someone in our group mentioned how in the same sense of other people trying to get to Jesus, there was a common theme of disciples kind of trying to push people away from Jesus. Oh, okay. Uh, common theme of the, uh, we'll call them the Ds, um, pushing people away from Jesus. Wow. And so one of the cool things about this type of exercise is that the connections then will cause you to have new questions sometimes. Did any of you find that that was the case? When you moved on to connections, suddenly you had more questions. Um, cool. Man, I, I'm going to have to be really restrained here because I want to keep going and going and going with that. But let's move on to group number two. Group number two, section number two rather. Uh, your task was what? Keywords and context, right? Yes. All right. So what are the words in this passage without the definitions to which we can't understand what's going on? Uh, I guess belonging and... Receiving, and okay. there's a juxtaposition between those two words as, you know, if the kingdom belongs to a group, it sounds like it's already naturally there, but yeah. for others, you have to take a step, you have to receive it, if it's not naturally belonging yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. They're both verbs, but they have a different type of action that they carry, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, indignant? Indignant. And it was brought up that many other versions say suffer the little children to come. Uh-huh. Somebody pointed that out to me in the back room, back of the room there in between. Um, interesting. Uh, so the, um, I think the King James uses that. And uh, what did you say yours was, Josh? ASV. The ASV uh, says suffer the little children come to me. What? Uh, that sounds a little dark, right? The way we use the word suffer. We might want to go to an, Ameri- an English dictionary and say, is there a secondary meaning of the word suffer that we don't use it like that anymore? Uh, and, and then this is one of those cases where we might want to go back to the, to the Greek word and say, what is the Greek word there? Does it actually connote any kind of suffering? <laughs> or is that just a, a kind of a vestige of, a, of an older form of English? That kind of question can be fun to, to ask and delve into. Any other key words that we've got to have the definitions to here? No? Anybody back there have a key word that they missed or a, a phrase? Yeah, we also had... Um I mean, children is the most central theme, of course. Yeah. Um, but kingdom of God, I think an understanding of 
what he means by kingdom of God would be. Does it say kingdom of God in your translation? Um, yeah. Yeah. Does it? Yep. Does it say kingdom of heaven anywhere? Did I make that up completely earlier? I did that. Nobody caught it in the first service because they're not as smart as you guys. Okay, so we'll say KOG. Is that any kind of science thing? Sorry. So the potassium hydroxide is really about Matthew's gospel. <clears throat> this is a teachable moment here. Let me explain what I'm, what's happening here. In Mark's gospel, it says kingdom of God. In Matthew's gospel, it says kingdom of heaven. Um, we might not know why, or maybe there's no significance, but let me tell you that I, I believe that there is a significance here. Matthew's gospel was written primarily to a Jewish audience, much more so than Mark's gospel was, and for Jews, it was forbidden to, to use God's name in that way. So to say the kingdom of God would have been like, ooh, um, not as, it would have been shocking. So Matthew, for his Jewish audience, uses kingdom of heaven, uh, or uh, potassium hydroxide, as you so. So the KOG is what um, what we're talking about here, and absolutely, it's used throughout the Gospels, over and over and over again. It behooves us to know what the kingdom of God, what they mean when they say that, because it's not as simple as just saying, "Well, the word kingdom is like where the people live under the king, and God is God." It's just God's kingdom. Like there's meaning there when you consider that this language was being used in the Roman Empire, particularly. So. We'd want to dig in on that, that one especially. We could spend our whole year talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the significance of that one. Good. Um, let's move on, though, to context. And remember, I define context simply as what happens immediately before this story and what happens immediately after it. And then, of course, is there any significance to that? So what happens right before this story? So uh, they're talking about divorce. Jesus is talking about the hardness of our hearts and divorce, and that's why we need divorce. Yes. So this, Jesus is teaching on it. divorce. That's why it exists. Say it that way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, so what comes right after this? The dog is chewing on a pen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, the rich man uh, trying to get into the kingdom of heaven. Trying to get into what now? The kingdom of or God. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's great. No, that's okay. The rich man trying to get into the KOG. That's right. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and anybody can shout this out because we're running short on time. Do you see any significance with Jesus teaching on divorce right before this occasion of him welcoming children? Well, I mean, the family is designed for children, right? The family is designed for children. That's a, a very concise way of, of saying something that we had to spin out a little bit earlier, um, which is that uh, perhaps part of what Jesus is prohibiting when he's prohibiting divorce and when he's tightening the restrictions, or, or, yeah, tightening the restrictions on divorce from what Moses allowed, which is what happens in that passage, one of the reasons might be because divorce... Uh, can separate a family unit, right? And he goes back to the creation narrative and says, don't forget, the whole purpose of marriage is to put this family group and this family group together and make a new family group. Right? And uh, so, obviously there are people in the room who have been divorced and people in the room who are children of households that were divorced and um, it's a very sensitive issue. I don't want to steamroll over it. 
but you know the pain that happens in those occasions. And so for this, this thing to come right in the narrative after it is, is maybe, maybe intentional. I don't know. Of course, the most obvious reason is that these two things just happen one after the other, historically speaking. Uh, what about this one? The rich man trying to get into the kingdom of God. Of course, we have this, this connection, right, with the kingdom of God happening, uh, appearing in both times. Do you see anything else? Maybe you do and maybe you don't. We won't go into it right now because we are very short on time. Um, <clears throat> the last thing I'll say about, about this, context. When you're looking at where this appears in the flow of the narrative... This is kind of a literary exercise in some ways. Now, we know that this story from Mark 10 is also, also occurs in Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. We mentioned earlier the difference between kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. I wonder what happens immediately before it in Matthew and immediately after it in Matthew. And if you go and look at it, as we did this morning, you'll find it's these same two stories. So maybe it is simply a chronolo- chronological thing. But maybe there's some thematic ins- uh, significance as well. All right, let's move on quickly to the third section who are, telling, are going to tell us about characters and emotion in this story. So the first part is usually fairly straightforward. Let's just make a list of the characters. Shout them out. So the people that were bringing the little children. The people. And I jokingly said this morning, can we be more specific about the people? You say the people who are bringing the children, parents. right? Maybe it was the parents. Okay. Knows, right? you just yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm teasing a little bit, which maybe isn't nice. We just met this morning, Paul. But, um, we can work it out. We can work, we it, can out. work it out. Come on. <laughs> Try to see it my way. Um, so, oh, come on. That's a Beatles pun? That's crazy. Um, parents and then uh, children. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put them down here. Um, what about adults who are not parents? The D's, man. The D's. <laughs> the disciples, yeah. Okay. Who else? And then you've got to throw J.C. in there. J.C., yes. <laughs> got to okay. J.C. Jesus. Jesus. Right? Any other characters that we've missed? I mean, I guess God would be with J.C. wherever he goes. Well, God, I mean, God is, yeah. <laughs> you could just throw it. <laughs> um, yes, God is present. Um, in all things. Uh, Brenda, you have another character? Aha! Let's call them the crowd. Or, uh, whoa, that's really bad. Uh, or observers. All right? Cool. Well, now let's talk about uh, some of the emotion present here. Name one of these characters and an emotion that that character might have been feeling in this story. Just shout it out real quick. Hope. Wow, okay. Hope, that's interesting. Cool. Uh, who else? Cranky. Cranky. I like that, Leanne. Yes. Somebody needs a snack. Who, had, who was feeling desperate? Ah, okay. So maybe along with hope, there was desperation. Interesting. Maybe if, they really, if their children were very sick or were really in need of a blessing, whatever we determined that, was, that whole thing meant earlier. Good. Yes, um, irked. Our poet says they were despondent. I like that, George. Thank you. So let's. Um, we could do this with all the characters, but it, once again, we're short on time. So, uh, is there anybody willing to say how you felt when you read this story? That's a, yes. Anna. Um, I found it kind of 
Come on now. She didn't even have the microphone. Wow. Okay, so for people who are listening on podcasts, we need to repeat that. So this is comforting because to see these children who, um, and you listed many things that are that, uh, uh, defects in the, ch- in the child population. <laughs> um, uh, and we were all children once, right? Uh, but little children especially, and none of them are here, right? So we can talk about them. Like, you know, that are noisy and they don't have good manners and they have, you said, poor bladder control. Um, Wow, if Jesus says, let these children who all the like, enlightened adults in the area wanted to keep away from him, said, no, come to me, that we can come to God with whoever we are. Man. <laughs> so good. All right, we've, uh, we're going to leave it right there because that's, uh, because that's awesome and because we're, we're almost out of time now. So um, if you can't tell, I get really energized by this activity. I love doing this. This is what we're going to do in studio when we do start this in the fall. But remember, this is just two of the movements so far. We've done prayer and we've done scripture. We have not done service. We're going to come back to that in a second. But what we're going to do first is do the fastest passing of the peace ever. And parents, I want you to go get your kids because I want them to see what we're going to do for the service movement. Okay? So pass the peace, which just means say hello and greet each other in a peaceful way. And parents, grab your kids and we'll uh, come back for service very quickly. Okay, everybody, i got to have you come back in, please, and turn your attention to the screen behind me, Uh, because this is also a Hope Sunday for us, which means it's a child sponsorship Sunday. uh, Our denomination has a partnership with World Vision International called Covenant Kids Congo, and it's a uh, great program, and there's a brief video that we're going to show about it right now. So um, turn your attention to the screen.
talked about and prayed about this morning related to being like children makes that all the more poignant, doesn't it? I'm going to ask Steve Smith to come up. Steve is the area representative for World Vision, and he has uh, kind of brought all this stuff to us um, and is helping us connect with our own denomination in this way. And Steve's going to tell you a little bit about how you can respond to what you've just seen. So thanks, Steve. Um, Really don't need to say a whole lot more than what the, the video presentation has already said. I would tell you that beginning of last service I had 25 folders out there with 25 different kids that need sponsorship. Now we have 19 out there. So uh, this is Esther. She's eight years old. She lives in Congo. And uh, once you pay for a cup of coffee, Starbucks or twice, you know, actually Starbucks is twice more than Tim Hortons. $1.31 a day actually will make a ma- major difference in these kids' lives. So think about that. And I have a table out there. Come by and talk to me if you want to. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for being here and helping us with this. So this is the movement of service that, um, that I'm calling you to, to consider in response to what we've prayed together and what we've studied together today. And Steve will be out there. He has a number of uh, folders, each with a specific child with a name and specific needs. And so we can be a part of, of um, making our world a little bit better by uh, participating in this. So, um, <clears throat> let me ask our musicians to come up for one last song, because we're going to take communion together, as we always do on a Sunday. That usually won't be part of the studio experience on Thursdays, although maybe once in a while it will be. And um, <clears throat> I want to invite all of you who are following Jesus, or seeking to do so in this place on this day, to come to our open table and receive the body and blood of the Savior. Um, 
And we'll have a member of the prayer team here under the cross to your left. If you'd like to receive personalized prayer, you can come up and do that here. Um, but let's sing one more song together. And uh, after you've taken communion, if you return to your seats and want to remain standing, if you're able, that would be um, great. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.